0: But also the time mindset, you know, there's people that are always feeling like they've never got enough time to do things and they never will get things done in that mindset. And it's kind of taking back the power of that and thinking, you know, actually, I've got this task to do and I know that I don't enjoy it. And so it's just sitting on my to-do list for weeks and weeks and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And actually just take yourself off somewhere nice to a cafe, have a coffee and sit down and just do it. You know, it's really about taking back that
1: control. <laughs> Welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison, and I'm delighted you're here. The Audience Growth Podcast exists to help you learn how to use organic marketing, that's marketing that costs nothing or very little, to grow your business. Because far too frequently, small business owners spend lots of money on advertising without getting the results they were expecting and hoping for. And it doesn't need to be that way. Every week here on the podcast, we dive into strategies to help you grow a business that's here for the long term, sometimes on solo episodes and sometimes on longer guest episodes like this one. Today's episode is for you if you are struggling to fit everything you want to do in your business around everything you want and need to do in your life. I'm chatting to Erin Wong of Life-Friendly Business, all about her tips and tricks to achieve more in your business and to create the business and the life that you love. So thank you so much for joining me today, Erin, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm absolutely intrigued by this idea of a life-friendly business. But before we dive into that, could you let everybody know a little bit about you and what it is that you do? Sure. So I'm a small business mentor and I work with
0: women who most of the time have had professional careers and then they had children and they had that whole dilemma that many of us have of realising that, you know, our career doesn't quite give us the flexibility that we need in order to have a family as well. And that's exactly the position that I was in. I used to work in television production in London. And it was 14 years ago when I had my first son that I thought, how am I going to do this? Because I was on call. I was organizing shoots. And it was really within a few months of him being born when I was completely sleep deprived as well and very anxious as a parent. I was like, how am I going to go back to that job? I don't think I can go back. So at that point, I actually my first business was a franchise. It was a franchise of a fingerprint jewelry business and it opened up this whole new world of entrepreneurship and it also meant that i met a lot of women who i realized were in a very similar situation who had had these you know really fantastic jobs before having kids and then had realized that it just didn't fit for them anymore so they were turning to starting their own business to be their own boss and be able to have some control over the way that they work so Ever since then, so for the past 14 years, I've had various small businesses, but all of them have been around women that have had this kind of life change. And now I run Life Friendly Business and Life Friendly Business started out as making Mumpreneurs seven years ago. And the idea was to create an online space where these women could get the support and the training that they needed to build their businesses. But over the years, it's evolved. And, you know, My whole message has always been really to do this on your own terms and do it at your own pace. And when I launched my own podcast about 18 months ago now, I wanted to call the podcast Life Friendly Business. And it was like, actually, it would make more sense to rebrand totally as Life Friendly Business. And I think since I've done that, you know, it's just made my message so much clearer because that's what it's all about.
1: Absolutely. So what are the different needs do you think, of your community specifically? What did they come to you for? The women that come to me are often frustrated
0: and overwhelmed because they're ambitious. They want to achieve more. They want to grow their businesses, but they're feeling held back. They're feeling held back with their life circumstances, the fact that they're caring for other people. Even, you know, However much we love our, our kids and our family, it means that you know they're not able to do things at the pace that they want to do it they're also frustrated because they might not have the skills that they need to be able to to grow their business in the way that they want to and i think you know when people say to me you know why do you just work with women i think that there is something there about the invisible load that we carry and this idea that we are, you know, primarily women are the main carers, whether it's their children or loved ones like family members. And obviously this is a generalization, but statistics show that generally it is the women that this falls on. So, you know, there's all this stuff in your head all the time of all these things that you need to remember, the home stuff, the school stuff, the kids stuff, the health stuff, as well as trying to run a business. And one of the big barriers to female entrepreneurship cited in the Rose Review was a lack of relatable mental. Mentors. And I know from my own experience, when I started in business 14 years ago, you know, the only mentors I could find were kind of, you know, men in suits who were running finance and law and things like that. And it just didn't fit for me at all. And I know what they're going through. I've walked those steps. And I think it's really important to have women who are speaking up about the fact that they are, you know, I am a business owner, but I'm also a mum and my kids are going to come first. I think there's so many of us that are scared to say that. And I'm not saying I'm going to let my clients down, but I'm being real here and saying that, yes, I'm ambitious. Yes, I'm growing a successful business, but I'm
1: also a mum and that needs to be taken into consideration. Absolutely. And also, I think it's about putting yourself first sometimes as well. Often I will find myself with this enormous to-do list on a day, any given day, and I'll think, wow, the vast majority of these tasks are about doing things for other people. Now, of course, that's my business. You know, I'm in a service-based business, but there are things that I want to achieve in my business as well. So I feel as if it's hard to carve out the time. And it's hard to justify to people sometimes that not only will your kids come first, but also you and your own business will come first at times. Absolutely. When
0: I talk about the kind of principles of a life-friendly business, looking after your own well-being is high on the priority. And I think that this comes down to boundaries as well. And whenever I talk about a life-friendly business, it's interesting, actually, the boundaries thing has been the thing that has been quite triggering for people and that has kind of made people think afterwards. Because if you don't have boundaries, you can find yourself feeling like really overstretched, resentful to other people because it feels like they're impinging on your time. I mean, you know, a perfect example is, you know, I work with so many heart-led women. We love what we do and we enjoy what we do. And so you get a message from someone at nine o'clock at night And you're in the mood to work. So you're like, okay, I'll reply. And then the next night, you really want to just like hunker down, watch Netflix and just be at home. And then you get a message come through at nine o'clock and you feel really irritated. Why are they messaging me? We (laughs) haven't put the barrier in place. And so there's going to be that mismatch of communication. So I think the first step to that is really understanding what is important to you and what your own boundaries need to be. And, you know, for me, I don't have client calls outside of school hours. Like I, I don't have a call at like four o'clock, five o'clock, because when the kids get home, sometimes they don't need me at all. You know, they're 10 and 14 now, but you can damn well bet your bottom dollar. But when they do need me, <laughs> I'd be on that client call and then I'd be racked with mum guilt, you know, as we do. But also I don't work during school holidays. I don't plan launches. I don't book client calls during school holidays. I still work on my business as and when I want to, but I've created that flexibility. So I know that if I let those boundaries slip, that's when I start to feel like annoyed and And then you get irritated at the people around you as well. And it's not even about them. (laughs) So I think, you know, you have to decide for yourself what that is. And then it's about managing client expectations as well. I run a a mastermind and one of the women has decided, and this has now been taken up by lots of other women, this idea of a capacity day. So on a Wednesday, that's now her capacity day. She doesn't take any client calls on that day. And it's totally up to her to decide what to do with that time, whether it's work or whether it's home stuff or whether it's self-care. And I really, really think that, you know, having that white space booked in to our diaries just makes all the difference.
1: Yeah, it really does. That's a Tuesday for me. I call it no meeting Tuesdays. And the vast majority of weeks, well, essentially my diary is closed. Normally, on a normal week, on a Tuesday, it's all about, as you say, creating that space to catch up. And yes, of course, there'll be client work involved, but no meetings. And also I have no work Fridays. I think it depends if you enjoy working with the people as well. So we've got some fairly recent new clients and we absolutely love working with them. They're so easy to deal with. They're so great. And quite often we'll WhatsApp each other and say, have you got time for a meeting in like 20 minutes? And because we enjoy working with each other, whoever's asking, the answer is normally, yeah. We had a call on Friday morning, actually, at, I think it was at 7.30 or something. I, I like to start quite early. And they came on and they were like, How are your no working Fridays going? <laughs> like, yeah, great. But I think that's it, isn't it? If it suits you and you enjoy the work that you're doing, then you can flex your boundaries. But when I'm ready to reinstate those, they're kind of already warmed up to the idea that I don't normally work on Fridays.
0: Absolutely. And I think that being mindful and being aware of your own energy levels is crucial with all of this. And that's something that I really learned during lockdown. You know, when we were homeschooling the kids, everyone was at home all the time. Like even though we were at home, I was really noticing my energy patterns. And you know, I'm an early bird as well. Like I've been awake at like five o'clock at the moment and my brain is on fire. And like from after lunch into the afternoon, I'm just not good for anything. So I know that I can be so productive in like a four-hour period, I can get a whole day's work done. And so I've learned to kind of adjust my schedule and adjust my tasks around that. I also start to notice in those periods when things are busier than they normally are, but it's okay because it's really exciting and I really love what I am doing. Starting to notice those little warning signs that I'm kind of reaching the point where I might have a little mini meltdown to say, hang on, it's all too much, and as long as we're aware of ourselves, then we can strip it back. But I think often what happens is people are just on this hamster wheel over and over again, doing all these things, thinking it's okay. I've got time and space, so I'll help this person, I'll help that person, I'll over deliver, I'll do that, and then they suddenly reach a point where they burn out and they get ill.
1: Yeah, and I think monitoring those patterns, it's largely down to experience, isn't it? Or is there anything that you spot that you help your clients with early on, if they're maybe early in business and you're trying to help them set those boundaries? I think being realistic about
0: um, the actual time that you have to work on your business is really important. I've got this course, which is creating your own life-friendly business blueprint. And there's kind of one of those time awareness exercises where you look at, okay, if you've got kids, you know, once you've dropped the kids off or once you've done your yoga class or whatever it is, like how many hours do you actually have to work on a Monday, on a Tuesday, blah, blah, blah. and looking at the week. I just want to point out as well, this is not about being... Less ambitious and thinking, well, I've got all these other things going on. So it's okay if I don't work all the hours. It's, it's actually the opposite because if you want a life-only business, you have to be super savvy with your time because then it, it allows time for all the good stuff as well. So I like to help them kind of rein back what they're doing. And I really love James Wedmore's idea about 5% activities. He talks about how if you really want to move the needle on your business, It's only really 5% of the activities that you're doing that are going to do that, that are going to have the most impact. And that we spend so much time getting caught up in the 95%. And, you know, I think that that is so true. And it's often because the 95% feels easier. It's less uncomfortable because perhaps your 5% things are actually selling and marketing yourself, which people really struggle with. So I think definitely... Helping people as soon as I can, helping them to understand that kind of time awareness, but also the time mindset. You know, there's people that are always feeling like they've never got enough time to do things and they never will get things done in that mindset. And it's kind of taking back the power of that and thinking, you know, actually, I've got this task to do and I know that I don't enjoy it. And so it's just sitting on my to-do list for weeks and weeks and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And actually just take yourself off somewhere nice to a cafe, have a coffee and sit down and just do it.
1: You know, it's really about taking back that control. And make it as easy, like you say, going to a cafe can just get you out of that home environment and it makes it easier to actually get it done doesn't it (laughs) there's no place to hide
0: yeah absolutely and you know the way that we show up for our business is all around our mindset and if you're not in the right mindset work feels so hard so the best thing you can do is take yourself off for half an hour go and get fresh air or dance around the kitchen or go and work somewhere else that day like change up your environment
1: yeah absolutely and I've talked about this before but my first company my kids hip-hop dance company My least favorite activity was sales calls to try and get us into nurseries. And eventually I had somebody to do that for us, which was amazing. But in the very early days, I was sitting at my kitchen table and I blocked out. It was Tuesdays, actually. Coincidentally, I blocked out Tuesdays to do sales calls, but I didn't just block out the whole day because if I'd done that, I would have waited until probably two o'clock to start the sales calls. But I wanted to do X number of calls before coffee, I wanted to do X number of calls before lunch, and so on. And really linking it up, not only to those small blocks of time, but also to the outcomes and just reminding myself why I'm doing this, because I need to increase revenue, because I want to increase our reach across the city, because I want to be the leading dance company in Edinburgh. And I think if you can tie the activities that you're doing up to the outcomes that you want for your business that's really helpful as well yeah that is brilliant
0: and I heard your podcast episode actually talking about that because I used to work with activity providers one of my businesses were venues for baby and toddler classes so that really resonated with me I know that with activity providers as well your work is going out and running the classes and being there and I think that there's often the feeling of like the business side of things just needs to be like added on and it's like oh it's another thing to do whereas we've got to think about you know if you're running a business then you need time to see the overview of the business and actually one thing that's come up lately because I'm about to launch something new all about visibility is I've really been noticing the relationship that people have with their marketing and, you know, some people have got obviously a very negative relationship with their marketing. They feel like it's an annoying thing that is never done and that they have to do and they really don't like it and they wish they didn't have to do it. And I was thinking about it, thinking this is the difference between being employed and having your own business, isn't it? Because like if you're employed, you don't have to market yourself because someone else is paying you and you're just providing that service, whatever it is you do. But If you want the flexibility and all the great things that running a business brings, then marketing needs to be your friend. It needs to be something that,
1: like you were saying, you know, you recognize the outcomes that doing that work will bring. A hundred percent. And actually the agency side of our business is called the Enjoy Marketing Agency because nobody does. (laughs) Generally, apart from marketers or maybe people who've been in business for longer and have seen the benefits that marketing brings. But yeah, I absolutely hear you. So many people just feel that marketing is an annoying activity that they will do if they have time left over after they've done all of the other important stuff. But I would really urge anybody who's listening to flip that on its head. And that's actually the advantage that I had with my kids' hip hop dance company is that I wasn't the one going out doing the classes. So that wasn't my job. I hired people to do that. My job was literally to market the business obviously because that's my background and if I didn't do that there wasn't going to be any work for anybody and it's the same thing you know if you're responsible for everything in your business if you don't do the marketing then eventually there's not going to be enough work for you yeah
0: and i think as well with marketing the whole thing is getting your message out to more people and in terms of the the selling mindset because selling is something you know i've never been formally trained how to sell and that's one thing I really struggled with when I had my first business selling jewelry because I was like suddenly having to do like you know market stalls and and I was like I'm not a salesperson, but Corey Javid talks about selling being simply the opportunity for you to let someone know how you can help them, and that really changed it for me and that's what we're doing with our marketing isn't it It's literally like, hey, you know have you got this problem? This is what I've created that can help you with it and you know, it's a really positive thing. You know, we've spent all this time with the service or the product that we're making. And marketing is a vehicle to get it out there to people and to help people.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's where gathering feedback and testimonials can really help you become more comfortable with marketing as well. Because not only can you use them as social proof, but you can prove to yourself by doing that process of gathering in the positive feedback and the great testimonials actually just how much people love the thing that you sell and how important it is to them in their life. When I closed my dance company, which was a choice at the beginning of the pandemic very, very early on, the outpouring of emotion from our customers, some of whom had their kids had been in classes with us from the age of 18 months, right up to, you know, eight or nine, or, you know, they'd started when they were five, and they were now 12. It was just absolutely amazing. And if you can capture that kind of emotion and positivity about your business, then it really helps you to do exactly what you've just said, spread the word to more people who actually need and are going to love the thing that you offer. And what you've talked
0: about there is building that community around your business and the positive impact that you're able to have on those parents. So with one of my businesses, it was my third business, it was called Pitter Patter, the Hub for Bubs and like you i was bringing people in to run the classes i was just the host and did the website and the marketing and everything and there was this one day and you know i always remember it that there was a class going on and I was sitting downstairs on my computer. We actually were running them in family-friendly gastro pubs in West London. So it was like after obviously the no smoking ban and stuff like that, there were all these venues that were open from 10 o'clock in the morning and didn't have anyone going in them. So I said, you know, could I come in and run these classes? And I would be sitting there working and this mum came down and her baby was crying and she was so upset. And she just said to me like, why is my baby the only baby that's not taking part in the class? Like all the other babies are sitting there looking so happy. And then she got really emotional and she was like, I needed to be here. I want to be in that room. Like I need it for me. So it even gives me goosebumps now because I was so glad that I was there to give her a hug and, you know, say it's okay. And you're not alone. And you're certainly not the only mum whose baby cries during the classes, but being there and providing that service that's life-changing for people. It can feel like such a desperate time. You know, everyone thinks that having a baby is one of the happiest times of life, lives, but it's incredibly lonely. And that woman, she needed this. It was a lifeline. And I think it's amazing that we can create these small businesses that help people in that way.
1: Yeah, it really is. I've got a friend from when my son was in primary school and we taught classes at his school and one of his friends started and he was really lacking in confidence. So he must have been about six when he started the classes and he just absolutely took to breakdancing like a duck to water. And he worked on it and he, he did all of our classes until he was a teenager. Then he became one of our assistants on a Saturday morning and he helped in the younger classes. And then he went on to do adult classes elsewhere. And we were out for a walk, my friend and I the other day, and she said, Oh, he's now taken up Ashtanga yoga, which is essentially full of power moves from breakdancing. And so to have that influence on somebody's life is just, it's quite humbling, actually, isn't it? And You think, wow, he would not be doing what he's doing today, if we hadn't done what we did back then. So hopefully anybody listening to this, who's thinking, am I making a difference to people's lives? Yes, you are. (laughs) If you're doing something that you love and that they appreciate, then you are.
0: And the reality is with social media and things like that is that you're putting these messages out there and sometimes it feels like you're speaking into a black hole and are you really reaching anyone? And I think, you know, trying to work on that trust, thinking my message is landing is really important because it will be like, there'll be people seeing your posts who needed to see it at that time for whatever reason. And so I think definitely if we can go at it with that mindset, it's going to make it a lot more enjoyable.
1: hundred percent. It's about growing a bit of a thick skin, I think. Yes, you need to pay attention to the content that you're putting out there and whether it's resonating with people, whether they're sharing, commenting, whether you're managing to start these conversations and grow these communities, but it's not going to be a 100% hit rate. So when it doesn't land it's about having that thick skin and just seeing that as a learning opportunity and knowing that there are lurkers looking at it still, even if they're not commenting or engaging. So two things
0: that that makes me think of. One is like, it is amazing when you actually go to live in-person events and you meet people and they say, oh, I've been watching your Facebook lives or I've been listening to your podcast. And you have no idea, you know, you haven't seen their name pop up. They've never commented, but they're there. They're there in the background. And the other quote that I had to add in there was from The Greatest Showman, one of the best all-time films, in my opinion, where I can't remember the name of the character, but she says to Hugh Jackman, you don't need everyone to love you, just a few good people. And I think it's really important that we remember that when we're putting our stuff out there.
1: I love that. That's so good. Okay, so let's get back to this idea of a life friendly business. Because we've talked about setting boundaries. We've talked about looking at what our ideal week might be. Are there any other tips that you can give people today on how they can first of all work out what a life friendly business might look like for them? And then secondly, how can they make that happen for themselves?
0: Sure. I think that, you know, one thing that's really important to think about is what your own measures of success are. And, you know, I do get a little bit exhausted with the kind of toxic six and seven figure chatter on social and this whole idea of like, this is what success looks like if, you know, you should be aiming for this. When actually, you know, I know from all the women that I've mentored and all the people that I've met that everyone's got their own ideas of what success is to them. So, you know, yes, money's important. I'm not saying that at all. But, you know, there are other things like flexibility that people desperately want to need, whether they've got kids or not, you know, they might have other things going on in their lives, other things that are important to them. Also, I have a lot of women who are homeschooling or who have kids with special needs. And, you know, to them, having that flexibility means everything. But also, like we were talking about well-being, you know, a lot of us have left the corporate world because we were burned out and taken for granted. and had to work all the hours and suddenly in your own business, you can suddenly realize that you're doing exactly the same thing because you're working all the hours because you feel like that's what you should be doing as a business owner is the hustle and grind. And it's about taking back and thinking, well, hang on a minute. This isn't why I started my business. I wanted to start my business because I wanted to be more in control of my schedule and my well being and have time to do the things that I want to do. So it's never too late to check back in with what success looks like for you. And yeah, I think it's really interesting because in the UK, the average full-time employed salary is 35K. But yet there's all these messages out there about, you know, as a small business owner, you should be aiming for seven figures. You should be growing this huge team. And actually, you know, my plan is I'm a solopreneur. I do have an online business manager. I also outsource to an accountant. I've got a copywriter mentor. But it's me. And I want to grow this business as much as I can with just me. I'm not interested in creating a team of 10 people. And it's really easy to be swayed by other people's front stage, compare that to your own backstage. So definitely like look at your own measures of success. But I think as I was saying as well, it's about being really savvy with your time because it is possible to run your business on less time. You just need to be much more intentional. You need to have your Overview strategy of what you're actually trying to achieve. And you need to keep checking back into making sure that your daily actions are actually working towards that goal. So that yeah, you can achieve more in less time and then have more time in your life for the other things that you enjoy as well.
1: A hundred percent. And just as you were talking there, I was thinking about the need as well as to aim to have a life-friendly business. It's also about making decisions so that you have a business-friendly life. So things like I notice a huge difference when I am eating really well, when I'm exercising, when I'm getting enough sleep. These are the things that really help me perform better in my business. So I'm going to be spending a lot of this year trying to approach it from these two angles, life-friendly business and business-friendly life. That's brilliant. And you're absolutely right.
0: This is the thing, you know, if we're a small business owner or a sole opener or a micro business owner, whatever you want to say, like you need to be at the top of your game. And you can only be there if you feel like everything is in balance, you've got enough time to do things, you know, you're feeling well within yourself, you're not stressed out. Actually, just one little analogy that's really helpful to keep in your mind is about the snow globe brain. So, you know, with the snow globe, you shake it up and the snow's everywhere and you can't see clearly, you can't think clearly. And all you need to do is put the snow globe down and the snow will settle, the water will clear. And from that place, you will make much better better decisions in your business, you will be so much more productive. And sometimes it just takes 10 minutes and a cup of tea to let your snow globe settle. Sometimes it's days, sometimes it's weeks. And, you know, we will go through these patterns where things feel easier and harder. And it's kind of working out how to get back on track as fast as you can so that you know you're thinking clearly again
1: absolutely thank you for sharing that and thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today it's been a pleasure to hear all of your advice about how to create this business and life that really works for us. Now, just before we finish, can you tell our listeners where they can find out more about you, please?
0: Yes, thank you. So, my website is lifefriendlybusiness.com and I'm on social at lifefriendlybiz. And I have my own podcast as well, the Life Friendly Business Podcast.
1: Thanks again, Erin, and hope to see you at another in person event very soon. Thank you. somebody who has grown multiple businesses and learned loads of practical skills along the way as well. I'll be back next week with another solo episode and that episode will go live next Friday at 7am and I do hope you'll come back and listen then. Have a great week, take care of yourselves and keep marketing.